0: Hey there. It's Raleigh. I want to catch you before this episode to tell you about our new and improved bonus podcast, More Mercy. Each week I break down a MercyCast episode and show how it not only intersects with scripture, but how it impacts our daily lives. This short devotional episode is only $3 a month, which is like $4 less than a cup of coffee at the Mermaid Place. To access it, all you have to do is click the link in the show notes. Remember, no matter what you're going through, there's always more mercy. And now, on with the show. Welcome to the Mercy Cast, where we're learning the art of compassion through the adversity of life. I'm your host, Raleigh Sadler. As you know, we've been on a journey. We've been on the Camino together, and some of you, this may be the first time you've tuned in, and I'm glad to have you. I'm glad that you're with us. We are talking about what it looks like and what it feels like sometimes what it smells like. There are some weird little fields that we walk through. But we're talking about the experience of the Camino de Santiago, specifically the El Primitivo route. This was the first route, as you learned in the first episode with Reverend Jacob Smith. And as you learned in the second episode with Kiko, we talked about how as you're walking, you're going to hit snares, you're going to hit obstacles. Your feet may stop working. Your body may rebel against you. Things will get weird. Sometimes you meet people, they get weird. It can be a fun, beautiful, and awkward time. And I think that's what makes it because unlike the rest of our lives, when you're on a Camino, the goal is to be as present as possible, to be with the people that you're sitting across the table with as you're having a cafe con leche and a nice pastry before your walk or the people who you're lamenting with as you're trying not to pop the blisters on your feet and trying not to overdose on ibuprofen. It's just these moments that when you look back after the Camino, you thank God for because when would you ever have this experience again? Well, you'll learn today from my guests that once you start the Camino, you're going to want to keep doing it because the end of the Camino is never like you think. So many of us, we start the Camino just to get to the destination. But then when we reach the destination, we realize that's only the halfway point. And so today, I want to introduce you to my special guests. They are the people that I finished the Camino with. We didn't start together, but we met along the way, as so many do. And today, I want to introduce you to Pia Eildehoff and Simon Langevold. I probably butchered both of their names, but Pia is a student studying social work. And Simon, I mean, get ready. Simon's an outdoor guide. He's a climbing instructor. He's a podcast producer. He's a man about town. He does a little of everything. And what I love about Simon is he's already done two Caminos since we finished our first. And he is our Camino guide today. And so Simon and Pia, how are you?
1: Good. Good. good.
0: Thanks that I'm you can excited. be here. And so yeah, I'm, I, excited. I'm excited to have you all. One of my friends I was talking to about his time in Spain and what he told me was, no matter where you go in Europe, if you don't run into a couple of Germans, you're not looking very hard. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: think That's you can, true. yeah, you find Germans everywhere.
0: Everywhere. I was, <laughs> I was hanging out with people from Spain and people from Germany, and I was really the only American on a Camino, at least those days. And so I ended up like hanging out with, P- it was like the United Nations. Like we're just walking together and we're all learning each other's cultures. We're learning what people like, what they don't like, jokes that are funny, jokes that aren't. I remember <laughs> in an albergue that you all were in, someone called you Angela Merkel, right, Pia? <laughs> really? I didn't remember.
1: Oh yeah, one of the waiters, the ones called me Angela Merkel. and That was like one of the waiters I
0: You look nothing like Angela Merkel. It's like, neither of you (laughs) do for that matter. So so that's good. Simon doesn't either. And one of the things that we, first thing I think we kind of bonded on was last week's guest, Kiko, could not get Simon's name right. We had this big argument. We have a big argument. We were just kind of, we had a little spat, you know, as we were walking and he goes, his name is Sam. And I'm like, no, it's Simon. And so we basically all called Simon Sam for the rest of the Camino and it was perfect. But so you guys. I liked it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you yeah, right. <laughs> so first of all, like we've in the past episodes, we've talked about starting the Camino, kind of the call to the Camino. We've talked about the tribulations and the trials that you face. And now today I want to talk about finishing the Camino because you both walked for a month, right? I guess.
1: Yes.
2: Yes. Thirty so, days. Thirty days. Incredible. From from full moon to full moon.
1: <laughs> okay, so for me it was a little bit Didn't more. plan
2: that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> because Simon walks like a maniac. And he had like yeah. He's well, he caught up to me at some point.
0: Simon is an intense walker, but you got to be fair to yourself. You also had your computer in your backpack and a few <laughs> other things, which the weight itself would slow you down. So you're practically a marathoner just to get through the Camino for 30 days.
1: Your package, I would
0: say. And I think yeah, we like all do. I think, I think <laughs> that's kind of the point of the Camino, right? You start and then it becomes a game of ounces. I mean, we don't use the metric system, so I, I don't know what that would be, um, but... <gasps> Like a game of kilograms, maybe? I don't, I don't know. But point being, you got to just start getting rid of things. Like physical baggage, emotional baggage. There's things that you leave on the trail. And for you, as you were hitting kind of the midway point, what was starting to go through your head? You're, you're halfway done with the Camino.
2: What were you starting to process? I think it was, for me, a strange feeling to notice that I walked around Four hundred kilometers or more, even. And at the beginning, I think the time passed very slowly, and later on, it began to pass faster. But yeah, for me, it was very strange to see. Oh, that's what I. That's what I did, and I was also very proud to to do that. But yeah, I don't know how it's for you, Pia.
1: I think for me, when. It was like the halfway mark is when we decided to do the Primitivo instead of finishing the Camino del Norte. So, yeah, I think it was a little bit of a confusing time for us both because I think True. once we started to, to walk the Primitivo and we decided we we're not going to continue on the Del Norte because we were already walking together at that point for like a week. No, not mm-hmm. even a week. I think a couple of days. And, yeah, and it wasn't what what we expected at first. I would say, so I think at the halfway point we were both like, "Oh, what did we do? Why didn't we just stay on the Del And Then mm-hmm. yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah <laughs> things that, started looking up. That was a huge switch because we walked uh, at the coastline through villages, and we could stop everywhere to just make a break and drink a coffee or do something else. And there were so many albergs, and many people. And then it was, it was really uh, different to switch then on the other route to the Primitivo because there were so less people with the Del Norte. And I think in the first one or two days, we didn't see many people at all.
1: We didn't see anybody at all. No, we were just the two of us. And we were like, what are we doing? <laughs> like, where is everybody?
2: And on the Camino had, Primitivo? Yes. And we had to plan more and see where are the hostel, uh, the, the albergs. And because there were not that many then on the, on the other route and we had to see where we can stay and where we can buy our food and things like that. But it it's was, a- it was nice. It was an adventure starting there.
0: <laughs> For those who have not been on Primitivo, you don't know how few resources you have as you're walking. It's much different than the Camino de Norte, which is all along the water. And then you're going through cities and there's so many things that you can get at all times. And then you guys switch to Primitivo and you're just walking through the woods. And then you happen upon like a medieval village every 10 kilometers or so. But the rest of it, you're walking through the mountains.
1: So for me, the first week on the de Norte was very hard. And then it got easier. But I think, heaven, like, if I wouldn't have done the first two weeks on the Del Norte, I wouldn't have made the Primitivo because it was so, yeah, so much harder. And I already got used to the walking and the height differences, the mountains. So, yeah, the Primitivo was definitely a bit harder. That's true. And also, it's like in the middle of the woods all the time. So,
0: just woods. Like,
1: <laughs> yeah, just woods and mountains.
0: Woods and mountains, that's, it's funny, your, your first couple of days, it's hard because your body has to adjust. But then at what point did you both start feeling stronger? Like your body was catching up with what you were doing?
2: I think that started already after a few days or after a week. Because when we started the Primitivo, we already walked many kilometers. And for, for I think for us, it wasn't that hard. To begin with that, then for people who just started on that Camino, but it was different because there were more and more mountains and highs and, (laughs) and some of them were very hard. Of course.
1: So actually for me, it was, so the first, like I said, the first week on the Camino del Norte, it was very like, very mountainy as well, Like, (laughs) like a lot of highs, a lot of lows. And then also I got crazy blisters on my feet the first week. So I had to stop in Bilbao for like three days and everybody I knew on the Camino went, went away and I had to stay and like cure my feet. And after I healed up a little bit, I felt that I was way stronger than I was in the beginning, but also like I had to yeah. like really suffer for a little bit to feel like I, yeah, now I made made it.
0: And that was Easter Sunday, right? And there's, oh, that was horrible.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Because everything got infected as well because I was stupid. And I was like, ah, if I don't have the blisters, then like it won't hurt. So I popped them all, not to be too graphic about it. And they all got like infected. And then it was Easter Sunday and nothing was open. I just wanted like pharmacy so I could get something for my feed. There was nothing. So people had to help me out, which I was very grateful for. Because I was, at some point I was convi- convinced I'm going to lose my toe. But I didn't.
0: See, and that's great. Like anytime <laughs> you don't lose your toe, like that's a good day, I think. And mm-hmm. we all kind of went through these days where we're like, can we keep going? Mine was the first day and I talk about it in one of the earlier podcasts where I was like, I don't know if my foot can handle this. And you're sitting there. I don't know if my feet can handle this. But you keep going. And that is a constant refrain on the Camino. Just keep walking. The pain will go away.
2: That's really true, yeah. There is coming the the time when your feet are burning and (laughs) that's the main topic when you talk with other people. So we just ask, how are your feet? (laughs) Don't (laughs) ask, how how are you feeling? (laughs) How are your feet? (laughs) Because that's a a huge point on the Camino (laughs) and you get used to it after time. Well, I met you all
0: the day that I learned how to breathe because up until this day, I, I would get gassed. I would be like, I couldn't breathe, you know, I was struggling. And so some of the people that I walked with the first couple of days, when they saw me in Santiago, they were like, Oh, we're so glad you made it. And I'm like, (laughs) I'm like, as soon as they left, I'm like, I actually learned how to Camino. I'm like, Oh, I can do this. You know, I can breathe in through my nose, get more oxygen, breathe out through my mouth, you know, and just, keep walking. And that was the day. It was in Grand Este Salim. We had just walked to this beautiful dam. And if any of you listeners have never been on Camino Primitivo, you wouldn't know that that day you basically go down a mountain for hours, just down a mountain. And then you go to this beautiful dam and you go back up a mountain. And that was when I met Pia and I didn't talk to her basically that whole day, because I was just focused on my breathing. Kiko looked at me and he goes, you're a machine today. You were just about the business. You were focusing on it. I'm like, no, I don't care about anyone but my breathing today. I'm sure she's a nice person. I got to make sure I can breathe. And then we just kept walking. And then I didn't see you guys for a couple of days. And you guys and Roman, basically, what did you guys call yourself? You were a crew. Everyone gets their group of friends that they walk the Camino with. Kiko was part of mine. But Simon, Pia, and Roman, and I kind of was in there every now and then. But these three were primarily, what did you call yourself?
2: (laughs) You were the fellowship. Describe the fellowship the fellowship yes the fellowship like the from lord of the rings
1: that came about because roman like Simon and I had been walking together for a while and then at some point we picked up roman on the way and he was walking way too fast for me and Simon luckily stuck with me most of the time and then roman would get in front but we would always catch up to him because he was always smoking a pipe every Few kilometers, and he was just sitting there like Frodo, like like one of the hobbits, like sitting on a rock, like smoking his pipe. We were like, Oh, yeah, there he is again. And then we were walk together for a little bit. And then he went away because he was too fast, and then we would catch up to him. Yeah, that's how we became the fellowship.
0: And then you guys were inseparable, you were together all the time. Every time I saw you guys, you <laughs> I mean, he may be walking in front of you all, but you were all within eyesight. It was kind of like how. Sometimes parents are with children, like, don't go too far. <laughs> Stay where I can see you. And that's, that's kind of how you guys were in the fellowship. Yeah. And, and so the three of you were walking, and I met you all at Grand Estate Salim. And I think two days later, I saw you all again, and you were, you were in the same albergue or albergue as Kiko. And so I came in to meet you guys for breakfast and i came in the back way and so i had to go through like an enclosed sheep field where all these (laughs) sheep were like walking by me and it's super early and there's a mist you can't see anything and there's hills and i'm desperately just trying not to step in sheep poop and so i'm walking (laughs) and just kind of like navigating that then i have to step over barbed wire and then i get to you guys and i'm thinking oh they'll just be in It won't be that nice of an albergue. And it's like this incredible albergue. You have all sorts of food. We're all eating. It was this beautiful moment. And then we all got back. And I don't think I saw you again for a couple of days. And I think that's the beauty of the Camino. You start it. You meet cool people. But everyone chooses their own Camino. So you might just not see each other for a few days and reconnect somewhere, grab something to eat, hang out, talk. And no one takes it personally. But at that point, we're approaching kind of a halfway point. And for you guys, you only had like a third more of your Camino. What did you start processing towards the end? What was going on in your head towards the end of the Camino as we were getting, you know, three, four, five days out of hitting Santiago de Compostela?
1: I think that was when, so at some point, the Primitivo joins up with the French Camino as well. And I think that's around the time when that happened, so the last hundred kilometers. So I think that for me was a big change and it felt like once we hit there or like we joined up with the French Camino, it felt very different to me, like like counting down the days, you know, until you get to the end.
2: Yeah, for me it was like at the end I had many thoughts about what's coming next after the Camino because I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> what's coming next and noticing that there are just 100 kilometers left for me I, I thought about many things uh, especially at the last kilometers was it scary because I feel like I had that
0: experience too we get to Melita we know that only 100 kilometers left we're going to go home soon as you were processing that was that a little
2: unnerving was that a little scary for you I was excited <laughs> to arrive, <laughs> but I was also nervous. And at the very end, I thought I'm looking forward to end this <laughs> because I, I wanted to do something else. So I, I really loved the time on the Camino, but after 30 days, you're just doing the same thing every day. <laughs> and uh, for me, I also look forward to end this to just uh, look what is what is out there also.
1: I think for me it was super scary because i also entered the camino not knowing what was coming next and also like a little bit because yeah i just didn't know what to do next and i wanted to take the, the time to think about it and then i by the time it was only like 100 kilometers left i still haven't figured it out so i was like no <laughs> there's so little time to think about everything and I think that's also like a conversation we had and also something I talked about with Simon a lot. Because I think once you like, once you're on the Camino, you talk to so many different people and you talk like a lot about your life and your hopes and dreams and everything. But also like to expect to have all the revelations on the Camino is just too much. Like a month is not long enough or two weeks is not long enough to figure out your life out. And I think. I was kind of hoping for that. So when time ran out, like when we came closer to Santiago, I, like, I very much like panicked a little bit. And I was like, no, I still haven't found what I was like hoping I would find. And then, yeah.
0: Well, and so many of us on the Camino are in transition. Almost every one of us, you don't end up on the, on the way without not knowing where you're going. It's this, well, what's going on in my life? I talked to so many people, they had just quit their jobs. Some people had gotten divorced. Some people were trying to process trauma. Some people were just trying to think through, well, what's next? Everyone was kind of in this transition. And what is scary, and what I talk about with Alexander John Shia in the next episode, is that we don't have to get the answer before the Camino ends. But in our heads, we think, well, I've got to figure this out. I got to do this, and we're walking, and it's not coming, and then we get a little anxious, we get a little nervous, and what I noticed was there's always a temptation to look backwards over the things I could have done differently, and then there was always a temptation to look forward over, well, what's going to happen next, and kind of sit in fear, and I, I had to always bring it back to, who am I with today? I'm with Simon. I'm with Pia. We're going to get through today. We're going to be here today. And I found it was it's a lot better to live that way than to try to either be a time traveler or be a prophet. You don't really have to figure out your past or your future, like what is going on right now? And I feel like that was the Camino, but there was so much pressure for me too, Pia, where it was like, well, I haven't figured it out. But then you got guys like Roman, we get to Melita and Roman's like, oh, I've been here before. And he goes into a church and he's super excited. And then we kind of part ways, and I, I see him out of the corner of my eye, and he lights his pipe and he has a big <laughs> smile on his face. And he's just there by himself smoking a pipe in Melita. And he wasn't worried about the future. He wasn't worried about anything because he was just like, Yeah, I've done this before, and I'm just going to enjoy this moment. I'm going to enjoy my pipe. And like the rest of us, I think we were a little nervous. But the next day after Melita, well, and for people to understand, once you hit the French way at Melita, you go from 30 people on the trail to about 400. It goes from like you're on a tiny sailing boat to being on a large cruise ship. And most of us Primitivo people struggled because then all of a sudden things got really nice. <laughs> things were, there, were, there were shops everywhere and people everywhere and we're like, mm. <laughs> What was going through your head those last 100 kilometers?
1: I think what was the so nice about the Primitivo was that there were so little people and then... That- it really built like a sense of community because like you said we met like every couple of days but it felt like we were like friends from the past once you meet somebody and you had a good conversation you're always like once you meet them again you'll get excited and you're like oh hey how have your last days been how have you been how are your feet and then yeah it felt so weird when all of the people from, or we joined with a French Camino and then there were so many people and it's not like this tight-knit community that you build on the Primitivo, but it's more like you're just in a stream of people and then you meet like Primitivo people and you're like, oh, hello, you're one of mine.
0: <laughs> exactly. Mm. Because after that, we were all like, we were bonded for life. You know, we're walking and it's just like, no, like, I'm not, I, I was dead set on not talking to Frances people. I'm like, "I'm only talking to Primitivo people. Those are my people. I'm not making new friends. I've got my friends. Because was... we'd already worked through something. But it was funny because it's like, you're right. The next day after Melita, we're walking, and there's all these people, and you start seeing your Primitivo people. And there were people, like the people from the Czech Republic that never talked to us at all. Like I bumped into them at a church. And in broken English, they're like, "Hey, hey, get get your stamp, get your stamp." And I'm like, "Okay, cool." We're all kind of huddled together as we finish it because we all shared this long, hard, arduous walk. But we reconnected on that day when we were going through Arthua because I'll never forget that was the day where I went into a bar and bought like a ten pound block of cheese because cheese is famous in Arthua, and so it's so it your backpack's already heavy, but I got this. Cheese and I got a baguette and I'm just walking and then I'm like, You guys want cheese? <laughs> you want a baguette? And you're like, no, we're good. And we had bumped into each other at a coffee shop and we were just hanging out. And then we got in trouble. You remember what happened? No. We were oh, oh. all <laughs> <laughs> ah yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I remember.
1: <laughs> we were... Oh my god. That was so awkward.
0: It was so awkward because we all just sat outside of a coffee shop just to sit. And then the proprietor yelled at us and told us to leave cause we because hadn't we hadn't bought anything.
1: Eating. Yeah, because yeah. we were eating our own food.
0: Yeah. He's lucky I didn't eat my cheese. He would have been really mad <laughs> if I just started eating my cheese there.
2: Yeah, it, it was a nice place. Uh, and uh, on the Camino, you look out for some place where you can sit and hang out. <laughs> and it was so welcoming. And uh, yeah, Until
1: it kind of wasn't.
0: The... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And so that day, we probably walked 25 kilometers together. Pia and I were walking in front of you, Simon, because you, you put on your <laughs> your rain jacket because yes. it's going to rain. And Pia and I were like, we're not doing it because if we put on a rain jacket, that's gonna, we just want to keep going and it's not going to rain. And then it barely rained and we would look back at you and you had your little hoodie on. And you weren't talking to anybody. And we're up there with us like, this is hilarious. And you're just slowly but surely walk in.
2: Yes, uh, and all the people, that was so much for me. And I just I wanted to have my own space. And I just put on my hoodie, my earplugs. And I was, I didn't hear anything. I didn't see anything because I just looked at the ground. <laughs> it felt so good just to be in my own space. And then I <laughs> I I think I, I felt behind you. And then later on, you I got up to you again, and it was a uh, funny event just to... Okay, no, I'm back. I, I put this off. Okay, <laughs> I, I'm here again. <laughs> and I think we all had our
0: ways of doing that, right? Like there was a day with Kiko where I said, hey, I, I need to go on by myself. I, and he, did, he needed to do it too. We spent seven days together, and he was just like, I'm gonna go my way, and I'm like, I need to go my way. And then you, as you guys were walking together, It was all a sign for us that he needs alone time when you'd put your headphones in, put your hood up, and then no one would bother you. You got real quiet and it was perfect. But then you're like, okay, I like people again. And so hood comes down and you start talking. And that was the day, the day of the cheese, as we were walking and you all stopped before me. I, I think I walked another 10 kilometers that day because that was my really long day. I think that was like a 38, 39 kilometer day for me. But we get around kilometer 15. So now we're about 15 kilometers away. And I don't know about you all, but maybe it was the cheese I ate the night before. But I was like that, that night, I had vivid dreams. And I just felt really off. I felt really off that final day. And I started talking to a lot of people and they were like, yeah, the final day is the hardest. May not be the hardest walking, but it can be like the hardest emotionally because you know, you know, you're almost done. And so I know that you both had coffee at the little place where I stayed that night. Had a little tiny coffee shop in the downstairs area and you're sitting there, you're having coffee. This is the final day. Were were you excited?
2: Were you nervous? I think... Both, of course. I was excited. And it was unbelievable just to stop walking because you don't know how, how, to, how to do that.
0: <laughs> because that's all you've been doing. That was your life for a month. And now you're thinking, can I just stop, please? And Pia, how about you?
1: I think I was excited that day. I don't know. I think just because you've been walking towards the cities for so long, just to be like, and reaching distance makes you excited, because yeah, you made it basically
2: I we got it to was to also exciting to just see the city because I just heard about it, and then to see the cathedral and the pia uh, yeah and the the people and the, the city, and I imagined the whole thing completely different, like it was <laughs> in real, and yeah. For me, that was also exciting to see what is there. Why are why do all the people walk to this place? What is so special about it?
0: (laughs) And they've been doing it for 1,200 years. Like, what is the draw? And I remember at that five kilometer mark, we only had five more kilometers. Not hard. We can do this. We all went to a cafe. We ran into our friend, Lee. Yes. (laughs) with another german hans and we all just hung out and we kind of stretched it out and we're watching throngs of people hundreds of people walk by us on their way to santiago but we just sat there we had a couple of coffees we made some jokes no one was in a hurry why do you think that was we
2: just didn't want it to arrive, I think. (laughs) We we want to um, give us the time to just do the last step. And I think it was very nice and very, for me, very good to have this feeling that we are all together in this and we are all going there to the the end together now. For me, that was very special.
1: And I feel like you're just also not in a rush at all. Like, you know, you're going to make it that day. Like, it's not a question of if you make it or not. It's just like when. And then you're just like, if it's like an hour later or like two hours later, it doesn't really matter because that's when you stop. And then, yeah, so if you get there, like, you know, you're going to get there that, that day, but yeah, it doesn't really matter when. And then it was just very nice to like sit together and have coffee together. And I think Simon and I were even like, thinking about I think we came up to you and you were already sitting there with the other people. I I don't yeah. really remember. And then yeah, we were you... thinking like we might as hell have another coffee because we already had coffee before then. Yeah. <laughs>
2: it w- it wasn't far from there. <laughs> we just no, had a few all. kilometers before and then why not take another one? <laughs> well and you
0: walked up and we we're all sitting there at the table and we we're like Simon Pia Like come, come. And then you're like okay. You know, it's, it's and I I think for me that was when it started getting really emotional because we finished our coffee and we start walking and we're getting closer and we're getting closer. And then all of a sudden you could see the outline of the cathedral. You could see the town. And I just stopped talking. I didn't talk to anybody for about 10 minutes because I was just like, I just needed to breathe. I was, I was looking at it and I, I just, it was finally, because when I started, I didn't think I was gonna, I wanted to make it all the way. But those first three days, I was like, I hate this. This was the biggest mistake of my life. I was by myself. I was walking with Andy, the Austrian, who was a good dude, <laughs> but he's from Austria. So he's used to hiking mountains. And so he left me. And then I'm just like, this is the worst. My feet hurt. But then about the third day, I was like, I love this. And I'll I'll accept the bad days as well as the good days because I'm on the Camino. It doesn't matter. And now the Camino's ending. We're finishing. And what I loved what you said about now you're together because so many of us started by ourselves and we were processing things by ourselves and trying to understand why we walked the Camino by ourselves and we couldn't get that answer. But then when you start talking to people, People that you can be like, I I trust that person. And then they trust you and you start working through things together. Whatever you want to share, but you start processing it together. And now the thing you started alone, now you're with this this family or in your case, this fellowship. And I think we all got excited because now we're in the city. We're walking to the cathedral because that's how you finish this. And I had a friend who met me there you're walking through. I see my friend, and then, but I'm like, yeah, you can walk with us, but I, I want to finish with these people. We're going to finish this together. And then we get to the courtyard. We're staring at the cathedral. And we didn't plan this. We didn't even say this, but it was something we naturally did. We all took our backpacks off kind of symbolizing it's done. Then we threw him on the ground and we laid down and just stared at the cathedral for like 30 or 40 minutes, just laid down on the ground and stared. And for me, that was like such a beautiful moment because we got there. On Easter Sunday, Pia, you probably weren't thinking, I'm going to finish with my jacked up feet. I'm not going to be able to make this work. Simon's over here like, I wanted to finish three days ago because I'm tired of walking. I've been walking too long. But then we finish together and we're there at the cathedral. We go get our certificates, our Compostelas. What happened immediately after that for you all? For me, I actually felt this heaviness like, oh man, I just finished the Camino, but all of a sudden I feel like there's still more work to do. And a lot of people would say that once you reach Santiago, that's just your turnaround point. You're only halfway. You've finished the walk, but now you're going to carry that into your life. You're still on the Camino as you process what you did on a Camino, what did you all start processing right after we finished?
1: I think when we were in that courtyard in front of the cathedral, it was very, like it feels super joyful at first. And then you just sit there, like like you said, you just look at the, the cathedral and you watch all the pilgrims coming in. And then once the, like the first excitement wears off a little bit, it just yeah, it just feels a little bit sad to be honest, at least for me, because it's done, you know, and it's really not about. And I think I think you just realize it's really not about like getting there, because you are there now. But it, that wasn't what the whole journey was all about. It's more about the walking, and yeah, so it feels kind of sad like when you reach Santiago, at least for me.
2: Yeah, for me it was. Also not easy to realize now it's done. (laughs) And yeah, I didn't know what to do next. (laughs) So I'm here now in Santiago and it's just a city and there are many people and I'm very excited, but what, what, (laughs) what is happening? What am I doing now? So uh, it was, uh, it was not that easy to just arrive. And I didn't also know what I, I couldn't realize what the whole way did to me. That was just coming after that, after I think weeks or months. But the first time, the first days or first hours, I couldn't realize what the whole thing did to me. Someone told me, I think it was in a town called Castro Verde.
0: I want to say that was it. This little tiny town where I got a cafe con leche with a man named Jamie and his friend James. Jamie was from Scotland. James was from England. And Jamie said, Raleigh, don't try to figure it all out. He's like, all your processing is going to come after. That happens to everybody. So just be here. Have fun. And it sounds like at that point, like you say, I didn't know what it did to me. But that set you on a mission, right? That set you on a mission to, to figure it out. I remember shortly after we finished, we all celebrated. We all had dinner. We hung out. We laughed. We joked. It was great. We were inseparable. But then towards the end of the night, it was probably midnight. I'm walking around the cobblestone streets of Santiago de Compostela, just enjoying it before I have to go and go to sleep. Because now I don't really have a bedtime. I don't have to walk the next day. So I'm just walking. And then all of a sudden I hear Pia's voice and Pia's like coming around a corner and, she's doing her thing. We just start talking. And I, I said, how are you feeling? And Pia, you'd mentioned that now that we had all finished this hike together and we had our, our Camino friends, you were wondering, will I even talk to these people in the future? Because you said, real life is different than walking down a trail and saying, kaka, like you and <laughs> Kiko would say. You're like, will, will you and Kiko stay friends? And Will everyone stay friends? Because you just shared this beautiful moment and now you don't want it to end, but you're also cautious. And so did you continue to process that afterwards? And what was that like?
1: That's a difficult question, I would say. Yeah, I remember then because I was sitting in front of the cathedral by myself for a little bit that night. And then I was walking back to the place I was staying at that night. And then I met you and I was actually so happy to see you because it was, yeah, it was nice just to talk for a little bit. And I think because, like the Camino is a weird place for me because you you feel so close to the people you just met and you share so much like vulnerable information with them, like way more than you would share with like random people you just met on the street, basically.
0: Except your last names. You don't share your last names. You were both <laughs> yeah. Pia and Simon Camino and I just learned your last names today. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah you don't share the like the you know the sex but you share like important stuff I mean. and yeah i think for me when i was in santiago and i met all those people on the Camino, i was like those be like my best friends for now like i feel so close to a lot of the people i've met and then it's always like hard to imagine like what it would be like once everybody goes back to their like normal life and Goes back to their everyday life. But yeah, I think I still feel that. I mean, we're doing this podcast right now and it still doesn't feel strange, you know? And it's still like me and Simon were talking the other day on the phone and we we haven't seen each other actually since we got back from the Camino. But it, it doesn't feel weird to me because we spent so much time together <laughs> on the Camino. Like we've, we've basically been walking for like a month together. And yeah, I still, I still feel that. And I think with everybody from the Camino, I was, would just be very happy to see them.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think, I think we were worried that once we finished this, we wouldn't talk to the people that we really got to know. And I mean, Hans and I, we message each other in WhatsApp, Olga and Beata and I message each other recently. Kiko and I talk trash to each other pretty consistently. You know, it's just, it's funny. I think when you are vulnerable with others, you will connect to them. You'll get to know them. And when you share something like the Camino, where it is hard, but it's beautiful, then you're not going to want to lose that. And one way of not losing that is not losing those people that you went on the Camino with or that you finished the Camino with. And so as we end this time, I typically end each episode and I ask my guests, what are some pieces of advice that you would give someone who is going through something similar? And so for you all, what would you tell someone who wants to do the Camino? How would you encourage them to finish the Camino? Like, what should they be thinking? What should they do? What advice would you have for them?
2: I would uh, advise just to not think about that many things, (laughs) actually. Because I think, like you said, all the processing is coming after that. And the whole Camino, I, I, I thought about things which I expected to happen. Mm. And actually, at the end, I realized nothing happened of that right. what I expected. But after I came back home, mm. so many things happened in me. And I thought, well, it did a lot to me. But I just figured out that afterwards so just enjoying the, the walk, just yeah not thinking about too many things
0: yeah that idea of that idea of being present right? right like being in the moment and yeah not trying to force the change that you want but just letting it come when it wants to come
2: at the same time i am also very um, thankful for all the thoughts i had there and all the conversations because that did also a lot to me afterwards and and in the process. So yeah. Uh, Yeah. And I think,
0: I think that's part of it. Like we all kind of serve as our own Camino guides, you know, we kind of guide each other as we're processing our own stuff. How about you, Pia?
1: I think once you get to Santiago, you would just like, yeah, I don't think you should put too much, like I'm with Simon. I don't think you should, put too much pressure on it like just see the people you want to see because like a lot of people will still be in Santiago probably and like have some nice food like share like a few moments with the community you've built or even by yourself if you want that at that moment so yeah I don't think like I think expectations like kill the (laughs) kill the feeling so yeah just Do what is most enjoyable for you at the moment.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think that's it. I think being there with the people, enjoying what you're experiencing and just trusting that what you want to figure out will come in time because you gave it time. You allowed yourself to be present. You allowed yourself to think through things. And I think you're both basically saying, take the pressure off. Just be there. Have fun. Enjoy it. If you need me time, if you need to be by yourself, go be by yourself. If you need people, go be with people. Because at some point we're leaving Santiago and we're going home. And that's what we're going to be talking about in the next episode. So Pia, Simon, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you.
1: Thank you 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 for inviting us.
2: Yes.
0: (laughs) Nice. If you are interested in more stories like this one, buy my book, Vulnerable Rethinking Human Trafficking. Also, if you want bonus content, you can click on the link in the show notes to access our new and improved weekly bonus podcast, More Mercy, where I dive deeper into each episode. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button and leave MercyCast a five-star review. I want to hear from you. You can email me at info at This podcast is brought to you by Let My People Go. To learn more about how you can love your most vulnerable neighbors through your own vulnerability, go to lmpg.org. Till next time. Have mercy on yourselves and each other.